Well, good morning. Thank y'all for for coming in today. Uh, We'll go ahead and begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, our Mother. To thee we come, before thee we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer them. Amen. So you are here for talk on indulgences. If that's not what you were expecting, I apologize. That is what you are getting today. I presume that you came for that uh, for that particular topic, however, um, and I'm I'm glad to see that you have. Uh, I know indulgences when we when we hear about indulgences, <clears throat> most people think it's oh those are the things that we used to sell back in the day, um, and and that's a a very a very poor understanding if that's one's understanding of indulgences. Unfortunately, many many Catholics think that's the case. Uh, there are many people. Who, who have a, a, a strong distaste for the idea of indulgences. Um, you know, the, 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 it's this, uh, I, again, I think sometimes we, uh, we, we cower because, because it was painted poorly uh, several centuries ago, which we'll get into in a few moments, that it was painted poorly, so we don't want to look like that again. Right? We don't want to, to, to possibly look like uh, we're those crazy people who used to sell the indulgences or used to buy indulgences. And so I think sometimes there's this, this uh, kind of overreaction of caution, of trying to keep away from, from these kinds of things. But it's that caution that, um, that comes at a great price because the reality is, is that indulgences are, as I have there on the top of the sheet, they are God's gift to us and they are the treasures of the church. And why would we turn down treasures? <laughs> why would we want to deprive ourselves of the gift of God, of his generosity, of his love, of his mercy, right? And so that obviously is, is foolish. So to reject indulgences um, is really a, a, a very, very poor investment choice. Um, and so uh, I would invite you to, uh, to this talk. And if you have questions... I said we're gonna we're gonna run through and, and we'll have uh, hopefully have time for a few questions at the end. Uh, but really, my, my main goal is is more or less to give you the paper you already have. So if you have the paper, you can read it and leave, and and and, and you will benefit already. Um, <clears throat> because uh, because uh, my, again, my, my purpose is to uh, to encourage you to understand the the blessing of indulgences and how to gain them, what to do, practically speaking, to be able to gain indulgences. And so, let us begin with the actual definition, because if we're going to be talking about indulgences, it's helpful to know what we're talking about and what we're not talking about, right? So this is coming from the Manual of Indulgences. Uh, so there's an official book that tells you all the details of, of uh, basically everything in this talk and more, uh, it's in a book called The Manual of Indulgences. Uh, there's, uh, so this is the, the contemporary, the current version that's in force. 
um, that, has, that has some of the prayers. There's also the, the one that's the older edition, uh, the, the pre-Vatican, uh, you know, pre-1982 Code of Canon Law book, uh, the Recolta. And you'll notice that it's much larger. Um, and so part of it is, is the Recolta includes uh, tons of prayers, uh, and as well as, as all of these prayers that has you know, the, the number of days indulgence attached to it. Uh, and so the Recolta is, is I, I, I love the Recolta because it's, it's just a, a tremendous book of, of incredible prayers that have been prayed by the church and found fruitful in the life of the church over the centuries. They're not all indulgence, as it indicates in here. So the 100 days or 200 days indulgence doesn't necessarily apply uh, in this case uh, as regards the prayers of the Recolta, but they may, they may apply generally, as we'll see in a moment, uh, with the Manual of Indulgences. So these are, this is kind of the main book that I'm working from. Uh, it's available probably illegally uh, on PDF online. Um, uh, but you can get a copy at, at uh, Catholic Art and Gift or order it online uh, if you'd like. Like I said, it's a, it's a helpful thing to, to be able to go in and to see some of the details. But I tried to distill most of it uh, that would be practically useful to you uh, on this sheet that you have here in front of you. So again, all that long track definition of indulgences. An indulgence is a remission before God of the temporal punishment for sins whose guilt is forgiven which a properly disposed member of the Christian faithful obtains under certain and clearly defined conditions through the intervention of the church, which, as the minister of redemption, dispenses and applies authoritatively the treasury of the expiatory works of Christ and the saints. Nice and clear, huh? As with all definitions, sometimes they need a little breaking open. So... It is, this, it is this fact that it is the remission of sin before God of the temporal punishment for sins whose guilt is forgiven. So what it means is you've already gone to confession for it uh, or you've already uh, done one of the other things that allows you to receive uh, forgiveness of sins for venial sins. So uh, things like piously making the sign of the cross with holy water when you walk in the church forgives venial sins uh, if you intend it. <laughs> Intention is everything, y'all. This is part of the reason of, of talking about this. So intentions, intentions, right? Uh, receiving Holy Communion and knowing that purifies one, right? Making a good act of contrition at the end of the day, a nice, a nice healthy examination of conscience to go over our day and to make a, an act of contrition at the end of the day before going to bed. These are, are good ways for us to make sure our venial sins are being, being forgiven uh, with regularity. And so these are things where uh, our sins are already forgiven, but there's still a temporal punishment that's due. And the traditional analogy that's been given uh, with great frequency in recent days uh, is that of, uh, of uh, a young boy playing ball in the yard, right? And, and you know, he's playing ball in the yard and, 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 you know, his brother throws him the ball and he hits it with the bat and it flies over and he, it's a home run right into the neighbor's window, right? Smashes the window, so the boy goes over to the house, receives forgiveness, apologizes profusely, and is, is really, really sorry. You know, little Johnny, I, I, you know, I, I'm so sorry, Mrs. Mrs. Smith. You know, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I, I, you know, whatever we need to do. And she forgives. But there's still a window that needs to be fixed, right? And so forgiveness is the sacrament of confession. It's where God says, I absolve you from your sins, right, through his priest. 
but then there are still windows that need to be fixed in our lives. And they are larger or smaller as accordance with our sins. Right? And when they are grave sins, there's a greater punishment that is due to us, fittingly, on account of our sins. Or if we have many, many small ones, it can also, they pile up. They may be small little, small little, little cracks in your window, like when the rock hits you on the interstate. All right? But as little things that eventually can, can have a great, uh, a great weight to them. And so it is this that indulgences seek to respond to. The indulgence uh, that, is, that can be gained can be gained either for ourself or for another person who is already passed from this life. So the faithful departed, the souls in purgatory, right? So either for us or for them. Uh, I, can't give it to, I can't give an indulgence to any of you as much as I might like to try, right? Remember the parable of the, five, the, the ten virgins, five foolish, five wise? The five foolish virgins didn't bring enough oil. And when the bridegroom came, they said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil. And they said, we can't. There might not be enough for both of us. Go find your own. Right? And so that's the, that's the reality of, of I can't give my good works to another person in this life. I can pray for you. Right? And we can ask God's blessings upon you. But I can't give something of mine definitively to another person. Absolutely. Right? It's just it's part of the way God has set things up. And so we can gain an indulgence for ourselves or for the faithful departed who can't pray for themselves, who can't do good works for themselves, right? And we can, we can do these things. And basically what it is, it's, it's repairing the windows, so to speak, that are the punishment due to us on account of our sin. Uh, so we hear sometimes the word reparation. Uh, we hear particularly with, within devotion of the most sacred heart, right? Repairing the wounds, repairing the, the things that have, been, that have been destroyed or damaged in, re, in our relationship with the Lord. Um, and so this is what indulgences do, is they, is they, they fix things that have, been, that have been damaged or destroyed on account of our sins or the sins of another if we're offering it for a soul in purgatory. So this is the gift of indulgences, right? Because we can help those who are in purgatory here and now in a whole variety of ways, as well as we can help ourselves, right? And sometimes it's not necessarily good to be selfish, but if there's one thing I would like to be selfish about, it's getting myself out of purgatory, ASAP, <laughs> when God willing, I get there, because I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be perfect enough to just skate right into heaven, uh, as awesome as that would be, right? And so I would love, ideally, to spend as little time as possible in purgatory. Um, and so... Indulgences are those things that, that help make that a reality. Again, it's not, it's not a magic trick, um, but it is something that, uh, that is a reality. That if we do the things that are the indulgenced, uh, indulgenced acts, indulgenced prayers, uh, that if I do these things with some regularity, if I do them with the right disposition, it changes me. It makes me a better person. It makes me more and more in the image of Christ more and more virtuous, more and more pious, more and more prayerful, and, and, can, and, and is able to convert my heart little by little, so that while also uh, shrinking the time uh, on account of, the, on account of the, the things that I've done, shrinking purgatory time, it also has the double effect of making me less inclined to sin in the future, less likely to commit these grave things in the future, less likely to pile up the little ones in the future. And so even the amount of purgatory time that I'm going to continue to rack up will start to slow down a little bit. 
hopefully a lot of it, right, as we go along. And so this is, this is part of the, the fact of indulgences, is there are a way by which if we, the Mother Church tells us, if we do this thing, then remittance of punishment due to sin um, is given, that time off, right, is given. Now, how, how can we do that? How can the church say that? It's one of the questions put to us. I mean, you know, who among us can just say, oh, time off in purgatory, right? We can say that sometimes. We say it kind of jokingly. But a lot of those things that we jokingly say, time off in purgatory, you can get time off in purgatory legitimately by embracing them, as we're going to see in a moment. But how is it that Mother Church is able to say these things and to do these things? How is it that the church herself is able to dispense God's treasures? How is it that, that it's through the church that she can authoritatively say these things? We find the answer in St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. Then Jesus came into the neighborhood of Caesarea Philippi, and there he asked his disciples, what do, what do men say of the Son of Man? Who do they think he is? Some say John the Baptist. They told him. Others Elias. Others said Jeremy, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, And what of you? Who do you say that I am? Then Simon Peter answered, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonah, It is not flesh and blood. It is my Father in heaven that has revealed this to thee. And I tell thee this in my turn, that thou art Peter, and it is upon this rock that I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give to thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly forbade them to tell any man that he, Jesus, was the Christ. So the way by which the church can authoritatively give these things is because our Lord himself said so. Our Lord himself gave Peter, he says, I will give you the keys, right? Our Lord didn't turn them over just right there on the spot because he wasn't dead yet, right? So he says, I will give you the keys. And eventually we know that it was. Once the, the, the first thing that our Lord does whenever he is raised up from the dead, he appears to the disciples, bids them peace, Breathes the Holy Spirit upon them and says, Who sins you forgive are forgiven, who sins you retain are retained. Right? That's, that was the, the giving of the keys in so many words. Is, is that. It was that. It was that gift of authority that was entrusted to Peter and through Peter and, and only in union with Peter to the other disciples, the, the other apostles, the bishops of the church. And so it is they that are able to dispense, to give to souls these gifts that are the treasures of the church. And so it is, it is the, the Pope um, and it is those uh, who are together with him, the other bishops of the church, who are able collectively to offer uh, these opportunities and to, and to say with authority that if you do this thing, you will get this in return. If you do this thing, if you do this act, if you offer this prayer, if you go to this place, if you do these things, then 
you will receive this indulgence. You will receive this, uh, this remittance for temporal punishment due to sin, uh, whether your own or for a soul in purgatory. This was always understood uh, from the early church. Uh, some, of you, uh, some of you may know the, the, the story of, of confession at the beginning. Uh, confession in the early church was typically uh, received one time. You had one shot. Uh, and that's why, this is why people in the early church, they would often wait to be baptized until later in their life. So, so because confession happened only once, and if you messed up twice, it was very likely that you were just out. You were just done. It was, <laughs> sorry, bud. <laughs> you know, um, this, this reality, it was, it was kind of seen as, as, as a, a one shot. If you messed up real bad, uh, you'd be able to, to come back into the church. Uh, but you would have to do this great penance. Uh, so people would often delay receiving baptism so that they could just live their life, mess up as much as they, as much as they did, have, be baptized, and then still at the end, if they messed up one more time, they still had a shot in confession. They could do their penance uh, and, and go to their happy reward in heaven. Obviously, that was not a desirable state of things. You don't want everyone to be at mass unbaptized, Unopened to the life of grace, unopened and un, un, you know basically not not even members of the body of Christ, just kind of you know limbs next to the body of Christ. <laughs> um, it, it, it was it would be foolish, um, and so confession uh, became more regular. It was something that was more than more than just once. But in conjunction with this, there was also the understanding that the still this this fact that whenever one came to to confession. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't like confession that we have today where you come and confess venial sins uh, you know, or, or little things. I mean, it's usually more grave transgressions. Uh, and it was often things that would be more publicly known. Uh, so penances were very often public. Uh, and so as someone had, had come and had, had sinned in a grievous manner against the body of Christ, the church, and against one of our members, then a suitable penance might be, okay, well... Uh, you would become one of the uh, one of the penitents of the church. There was a basically a community of people who were doing the, the ones who were doing penance. The penitents who would very frequently they would be uh, at the front doors of the church. They wouldn't be allowed to come in uh, for the mass. Uh, so they would kneel outside the front doors of the church for say you know you, you did something rather serious for three years. Each Sunday, you're to kneel out, outside the doors of the church, right? And so that could be a suitable penance. And when you had fulfilled that, uh, then you, you, you would go to your bishop with the, with the verification that you had fulfilled, this, uh, fulfilled this, um, this penance. And you would be, there would be a, a ceremony to welcome you back in in the community and, 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 and to the celebration of the sacraments and this kind of thing. And so, uh, again, the penances would often be rather long. And so there started to be the... The understanding that if you were to do certain actions, you could have time taken off of that penance, right? So if, if, you, were to, if you were to make a, a pilgrimage, if you lived in northern Italy and, and you, were, you were permitted to make a pilgrimage by your bishop, maybe to, to, to make a pilgrimage to Rome and to pray for him and his intentions and to pray for, for your bishop's intentions in Rome, maybe you could get 500 days taken off of your penance you know, your, 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 your penance that was binding to you. And so 500 days sooner, you would be able to get in, get back into the mass. 
you'd be able to get into the grace of the sacraments and these kinds of things. And so this is where this idea of a hundred days indulgence comes in. Is if you had ten years worth of penance that you needed to do, well, if you did these things, you cut back a hundred days at a time, three hundred days here, five hundred days here, right? And so this is where these, uh, this is where, when you look in, in the Recolta, and you can see if you if you offer this prayer, it's ten days indulgence. If you do this action, it's hundred days indulgence, right? And so this is where all of this came. It's, it's not it's not necessarily um, you know time off in purgatory because there's there's not, there's not days in purgatory, right? And so, but it was it was originally understood as as time off from penances in this life, and then we kind of project that somehow in purgatory of you know taking time, if you will, however we can manage to think about that, off in purgatory. And so uh, it's not days there necessarily, but it was really uh, initially it was days here taken off of of earthly punishment, uh, earthly penance that you had to do. And it wasn't until the year 1092 that we hear of the first what we would now call plenary indulgence of no matter how much time you've got Penance-wise, all of it can be remitted. If you do this thing, and this thing in the year 1092 from Pope Urban II was to join the Crusades, to take back the Holy Land. Not a small thing, right? That you had to, you had to be willing to, to, go into, and to go into battle and possibly die. And if you died, for sure, you gained a plenary indulgence and all of your penance was remitted at that point. You were clear and essentially would enter into heavenly joy, right? And so this was the first time that we understand, um, and he didn't use the word, to my knowledge, he didn't use the word plenary, um, but this is the understanding of a plenary, a full indulgence. However much time, however much damage, however much uh, destruction sin has caused in a particular person's life, all of it can be remitted. All of it can be fixed and repaired, if you will, by this particular thing, right? And so uh, all the smaller ones, the 100 days indulgence here, the 50 days there, the 500 there, those would be partial indulgences. Plenary is a blank check for whatever price you owe, so to speak. Uh, And so that's where the church understands these things. And so the place wherein uh, she draws the, uh, the merits for all of this, because uh, as we all know, if you, if you write a check uh, to someone, you have to have money in the bank to back it up. Otherwise, it bounces and it doesn't count for anything. Right? And so uh, where does, where does the, the money, so to speak, come from for us with regards to these? Um, whenever we do this indulgence act, whenever we offer this indulgence prayer, when we go to this place and do these things, how is it that the church is able to apply this to us, right? How is it, uh, as it put here, to, a th- to dispenses and applies authoritatively the treasury of the expiatory works of Christ and the saints, right? And so the, the bank account we're drawing on and applying to us is all of the good works, all of the merits of Christ and the saints. All of the merits of Christ, by the way, are infinite, so it's never, there's never a point where the balance reaches zero 
and you're just out of luck after that, right? You should have been born earlier. You know, indulgences all dried up, right? It's never going to be a, a problem in the body of Christ in the church. So, um, so it's, it's, the, it's the good deeds of Christ himself. It's the offering of himself that he made on the cross and the merits of that, which are infinite. But then also, it's, it's the, the good deeds of Our Lady. It's the good deeds of all the saints. It's the good deeds of our brothers and sisters. It's the good deeds of ourselves. Um, all of these things are kind of put into a large pool, given over to Christ, given over to Our Lady's care to be able to dispense to us. And it's this immense treasury, which is the merit uh, right, it's the the the, the, the gift um, that the the goodness, the fruitfulness of our prayers, of our pious works, of our mortifications. It's the the fruits of all of these things that are reaped for heaven, so as to be able to nourish uh, and to care for souls um, for for the life of the church for all the future. Uh, and so, the the many merits that are gained by Christ, by Our Lady, by the saints of heaven. It is these that we are able to draw on because it is these that have been generously given to the church. It's these that have been entrusted to Peter's care to be able to provide uh, and to dispense as needed uh, and as desired for the good of souls, for the care of souls in the church. So all of this is really awesome. It's really, really beautiful. Uh, Again, a sign of God's love for us that he even makes this possible. Um, the signs of God's goodness, that, that, uh, of, of his generosity, that he's willing to take and, and to, to offer all of this to us. Um, just for these small actions sometimes, and sometimes great ones, um, that we experience in the course of our life. But by doing these things, we're able to see the goodness of God and his kindness towards us and his, his providence, the ways in which he continues to provide for us um, in all of these things. And so this is part of the reason the church so, um, so generously dispenses with these indulgences. And this is why the church still releases documents that for the year of St. Joseph, if you do these certain things, you gain indulgences. On these days, if you do these things, you gain indulgences, right? We still have these documents coming out of, of the church that offer to us these, these graces, uh, the merits of Christ and the saints. They're able to be applied to us and applied to the souls in purgatory. Now, again, sometimes the doing of things, um, the doing of the things seemed problematic, right? Uh, and so just as, as from time to time an individual will have a thought whispered into their mind from the evil one that once sin has already been committed... Uh, especially usually grave sin, because at this point the devil wants you to just go ahead and dig your hole real, real deep, uh, right? And so the evil one comes along and says, well, you've already done this, and you're going to confession for it anyway. So why not do this, 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 and this thing also? Because all of it's going to be forgiven anyway on Saturday when you go for our Saturday confessions, right? So just go ahead and dig your hole, right? And it's not a big deal, you know, you're going to confession anyway, and you're already in a rough state anyway. Right? And so the, sometimes the, this can happen to an individual where you kind of presume upon the mercy of God and take advantage of it and really abuse it um, just to kind of keep in the place where one is going. And so this can happen in the sacrament of confession, and this similarly can happen with indulgences. Right? And so we know an indulgence is if you do this thing or do this good work 
or if you go to this place, then you get an indulgence. And there could be a temptation to kind of um, to trivialize it and, and to make it merely a functionary thing. If it says, if, 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 a, if a document says, if you pass through the holy door at this place, you get a partial indulgence. So if one then begins to do something, let's say between these two tables is the door, right? If someone kind of walks through and walks out and walks back through and walks back out, you're like, man, just I'm cashing in indulgences. Ching, 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 right? That's obviously not the proper pious disposition Mother Church desires for you. They don't want you to look like a crazy person hopping in and out of the door because you don't know which direction to go, right? That would be a clear abuse of, of a partial indulgence that could be gained if you go through this door, right? And so, but there are things that, that where individuals did things similar to that, um, where good works that were offered by the church as indulgenced things uh, were abused by individuals, or at least appeared to be abused by individuals. The biggest one is dealing with money. And because it's dealing with money, right? So Mother Church has a cathedral. We've established a new diocese, or maybe a storm has come through and destroyed the old cathedral. Maybe a war happened, the people came in and just destroyed whatever. Either whatever scenario we want to find, we need to build a new cathedral for the diocese. If you give $10,000, which is a sign of... A, Maybe it's a sacrificial gift of yourself. You're giving of your own goods. You're, you're sacrificing something of yourself. If you, in a spirit of Christian generosity and, and a desire to serve the church and to provide a fitting house for the Lord, if you give $10,000, you will get um, a plenary indulgence. Or you will get 500 days indulgence for yourself or for a soul in purgatory. Now, a person who has the right disposition can look at that and go wonderful I, I would love to support our I would love to support our diocese I would we want a fitting house for the Lord and and a person can give generously they can give ten thousand dollars and get the get whatever you know 500 days indulgence maybe at the time in the middle ages right or if they if they gave ten thousand you know get get a thousand days or you know and so you can you can build it up in a sense and so with that kind of with that scenario in mind, which was often the main one that people would kind of pick on as as problematic, right? Because one of two things can happen: either a person can treat it similar to abusing confession. Well, I'm going to go to confession anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and do all these things. A person could theoretically go in their in their in their banking account and go, "Well, I've got I've got a million dollars, so." That's a lot of $10,000 indulgences that I can gain. So I can do some bad things and then just give a million bucks to the bishop afterwards and all of it's taken care of. I can be back in, I can be back in the cathedral. I can be in my newly, my newly built cathedral that I helped build right? very soon because my penance time will be very, very short because of the money that I've given. Right? And so a person could, could personally abuse it uh, and, to, and to think that, Basically, that one can buy forgiveness, that one can buy mercy. And if that's the case, um, I think the person will be in for quite a surprise when they get to the pearly gates and realize that 
that that was not really the case, that their disposition of heart likely was not in the best situation. They did not, you know, probably have the same attachment or detachment to sin, rather, um, that, that Christ uh, would ask of us in that particular scenario. On the other end, it could be the person genuinely is, is a pious soul, again, gives for the, good of, for the good of the local church, for the glory of God, for the building of the, of the local cathedral, and gains the, you know, the gains the 500 days indulgence or whatever may be the case. But their friend, who happens to be you know, a follower of one of these new upstart Protestant bands that have, that have come along, looks at this and goes, I think you're just paying for forgiveness. Even if the person is, is personally does it for the right intention, from the outside it can seem as if you're just buying God's mercy. Right? If, you, if you do enough things, God, God owes you one now type of, type of thought, which is, is very, very uh, you know, contrary to the Protestant thinking of, of works, right? of, of, of faith in works. And so uh, this is where, this is where you know, the, the things of abuse um, or perceived abuse have taken place in the life of the church is individuals who either uh, did the back and forth through the door type of uh, approach for indulgences, um, not out of, not out of a, a spirit of piety and, and love for the Lord, but simply to kind of keep, uh, keep the money rolling in, so to speak, um, as far as their reparation or those who perceived that it was, that it was uh, the case. And so this is where the, the abuses happen in the church. And the simple fact is that neither of those are a good reason for us to not pursue indulgences anymore. You know, just because a particular person perceives something to be the case doesn't mean I should never do it again just because they perceive it to be a thing, even though it is something that is actually good and pious, right? If, if, if somebody was, was scandalized, uh, you know, to, to see me uh, kneeling before a statue of, of, of our Blessed Mother because I, in, in, in filial love and devotion to my mother, uh, want to pray, just because someone else sees that as, as idolatry doesn't mean I should never bow <laughs> go and, and, and kneel before the statue of Our Lady to pray again, right? That would be foolish. We would just say, well, what you think is not right. It's not, it's, you know, it's not what's happening in your head, you know, and so here it is, and I'm going to go... <laughs> go pray to our lady and in a similar way that just because someone did something that was added and abused the system doesn't mean the system shouldn't be open to us as the faithful it doesn't mean that we need to just say well uh, indulgences were abused by you know by these people back in you know whatever time and therefore we're just gonna we're gonna close the box of the treasures of the church you know another one of those you should have been born earlier scenarios comes into effect Right. And so neither of those is, is, again, a viable reason for us um, to, to flee from uh, or to resist indulgences uh, in the life of the church. How are we doing on time? Jogging along. I can't read the time. Okay. I love it when they put white on a light gray background for the time on a timer wonderful anyhow so all of this is is kind of some of the background of of where indulgences come from uh how they are able to be given how they were abused um or perceptive or perceived as abused in the life of the church 
and, and, and this sort of thing. Uh, and so all of that is, is a little background for an encouragement for you to recognize the indulgences that are offered for you um, and to be able to take advantage of them uh, and to continue to, to repair the house of your soul uh, and to repair the house of the souls of the faithful departed who can't do it themselves because they can't do these things anymore. Uh, right? They, they depend upon us. And so they depend upon us for these things. So uh, a bit of information on, on kind of us today with regards to indulgences. So who can gain an indulgence? A person who is baptized, not excommunicated, and who is in the state of grace by the, by the completion of the, um, the indulgence action or prayer or whatever the case may be. So uh, one has to at least be kind of those are the three, sta- the three starting points. Baptized, not excommunicated, in the state of grace. All of that is, is simply to say the person has to be open to the grace of God. You have to be a tree planted in the heart of God and allowing his life to be nourishing your soul. Baptism plants you. Excommunication uproots you, so you have to make sure you're not uprooted. And then state of grace, make sure that also state of, you know, that, that you're rooted in God because mortal sin pulls us out of God's grace and we have to be replanted by the sacrament of confession. And so we have to be baptized, not excommunicated, and in the state of grace to be able to receive indulgences, to be able to receive these things. Intention. To bear it or to receive an indulgence, one must have the intention of receiving the indulgence. And this is one of the catches. Because if, if you've looked on the, on the back of this sheet already, there is nearly a page. I don't know how many lines. It's probably 30 30 lines or so of things that we as Catholics do all the time in varying or lesser degrees and time lengths. And all of these things are indulgenced, large and small. All kinds of things that we do just out of living, living the Catholic faith and allowing it to form us and to live our faith in particular ways throughout the day. Indulgences abound. They are, they are just all over the place waiting for us. But if we have no intention to gain them, they do us no good. The prayers that we offer still have value. They still have merit. right? But there's also this interesting, interesting thing, again, in the Manual of Indulgence that speaks to this. And it says that we must have the intention of gaining the indulgence, whatever act it is that we do. And so, again, being mindful of of all the things that we do that can gain us an indulgence, um, that we can have the intention of that. And it doesn't mean that every single time I have to say, this is is to gain a partial intention, right? It doesn't mean that I have to consciously do that every single time. But it can be things like the morning offering, wherein we turn to our Lord, we entrust our Lord, uh, entrust our entire day to our Lord's hands, make a morning offering, with the intention that, that all the pious acts that I do today um, would gain the indulgences that are, that are connected to them, right? And so it's the intention, and, and having that intention on the front end to be able to say that the things that I do today, Lord, I intend to gain not only the grace and the merit of myself doing that thing, Right? So if I, if I offer uh, one, of the, one of the easy ones, if, if I go, to, if I go to, to spend a few minutes with the Blessed Sacrament, 
I will gain grace, and then there will be merit in that. But the manual also tells us that if we are mindful of the intention of, of going and gaining an indulgence, we gain the merit we would have gained already, plus more. So it's, it's an equal exchange. So it's like uh, indulgences uh, with, these, with these things. It's like a buy one, get one free sale all over the place of God's goodness. So what the manual, the manual tells us is that if, if one has the intention, so if I have the intention to go and to, and to spend 10 minutes in the church, I've got, I've got 10 minutes and we get there 10 minutes before Mass, right? Spend a few minutes with the Lord just being in his presence. That gains you a partial indulgence. <clears throat> so that 10 minutes that merits, you know, the, the time spent, the time, you know, spent whatever, doing whatever it is that one, one is, is particularly doing, the merit of that is present. But if one intends, if one knows that an indulgence is attached to that, that if, if one knows, if I go and spend time in the Lord's presence and, and intend to do so, mindful of the treasures of the church that can be dispensed by doing so, then I gain the merit of my time plus that, again, given to me by the church over and above. So if we were to think of it in, in the math terms, if one were to go and to do the, say, if, if, if a, a five-minute stop was, was 10 days indulgence worth of a stop, if we are, in, if we are mindful of the partial indulgence itself and do... And do that, you know, kind of partly with the desire to gain the treasures of that action. The 10 days indulgence becomes a 20 days just by virtue of knowing about it and intending to do it. Um, and so indulgences, knowing about indulgences and intending to do them, right, um, is just really good investment advice, spiritually speaking. Um, it's whatever you put in gets doubled. Not because it's a magic trick, but it's because we are mindful of the treasures of the church. We're mindful of the goodness of God. And we are mindful of, of doing these things, knowing that if I do this thing, God will pour grace, pour his merits uh, upon myself or upon the souls in purgatory. Yeah. Hmm? Certainly welcome to. Um, I know. I know some people, you know, gain a gain a plenary for, you know, for a grandparent or for someone who know, you know, somebody's child who passed away or or a friend or just, you know, like Saint Therese saw the man in the newspaper and wanted this this guy. I want him to go to heaven. Right, this kind of thing, or it could be the whatever the you know the most neglected soul in purgatory. That that if we intended for that intention, then God can. And respond in, in accord. You know, that that you know, if the if the, if, the, if it's plenary, partial, whatever, whatever amount of merit that is to be given can be given to that individual. And there's also the catch that that if that person doesn't need it, it goes somewhere else. It goes to wherever, wherever, uh, by God's math and by God's algorithm, <laughs> right? It's it's then it's then given to someone else. It's never wasted. 
So that's the thing is, is, is if you can offer a plenary indulgence, like offering mass for family members, offering, you know, offering these various things, um, that, that it can be applied for the individual. And if it doesn't, if they don't need it, if they're gloriously in heaven with the angels and the saints, God be praised. And God just kind of says, okay, well, I'm going to give it to this person instead. So, yeah, yeah, sir, sir. Can I add to that? Mm-hmm. So, Mary is the acres of places, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just making a comment about that comment that you just made about God who sent somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, he's going to allow Mary to distribute those, or is it, does it? I mean, it's not an important idea, it's just an interesting thought. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, Our Lady is, you know, we. We're showing the heart yeah, and so Our Lady always does the will of God perfectly. So whatever is God's will, she's going to do that. Um, and so it's always, you know, sometimes people think oh, Our Lady's going to do her own thing. Um, <laughs> God wants this, but Our Lady's got the graces, right? You know, obviously that's, and I know you're, I know you're not saying that, but uh, sometimes people kind of have that idea. And and yeah, Our Lady, uh, Our Lady, you know, these things, these pass through, they pass through Our Lady's hands, you know, both going to God as well as from Him. Uh, and so, yeah, Our Lady would certainly be, um, you know, involved in the in the exchange for sure. Yeah, so Our Lady's always there. So, uh, again, intention. Intention is a very important thing. Uh, how often and how many indulgences can be gained is a question sometimes asked. Uh, a plenary indulgence, right, a full remission of sin, all, of, of all time, temporal punishment due to sin, that can be gained one time each day uh, or two times on the day of one's death. Uh, so at the hour of death, so if a person has already done a plenary indulgence for the day, at the hour of their death, they can gain another one because Mother Church says, you're about to go on your way, so we want you to be prepared, right? We want you to be ready, uh, ready for the trek. On your, uh, she, what is that, 20? That on the plenary indulgence. Okay, yeah, I left off the word days. Oh, <laughs> 20 days, sorry. I wonder what that was. <laughs> yeah, um, and so, so plenary can be gained once a day. Partial can be gained however many times you can possibly do that thing. Uh, if you do, a, if you do it, a, an action that, that normally gains a plenary indulgence, if you do it again, uh, you know, then, then you would gain the second one would be a partial, partial indulgence. And, and sometimes they say, how much is a partial indulgence? Well, it might be, might be in, in comparison to plenary, it might be small, it might be immense. So if you've got you have 10,000 days of, uh, of temporal punishment due to sin, penance time to do, um, you know, a partial indulgence might still be 9,000 of those days. <laughs> it could be very, very substantially partial um, in a sense. And so, <clears throat> and again, we are, not, uh, we are not the ones who are, necessarily required to to be concerned about all of these things and the the weight of each individual sin god is a, god alone is able to to judge best and to apply uh apply justice as well as mercy uh, to our souls so uh that's how frequently they can be gained conditions to gain a plenary indulgence is uh to make sure and that's on the that's on the top of the sheet there um so again be in the state of grace by the end of the thing uh, to be free from all attachment to sin, which sounds like a really difficult thing. Um, uh, but uh, the, the, the fact is, is that 
to, to be free from all attachment to sin doesn't mean you're never going to sin again. Because that's not really a viable option unless you're at the moment of death. In which case, if you breathe your last, like between that breath and the moment it exhale, it's exhaled, you, you probably have a good shot of being able to persevere in grace, right? Not sin in that three seconds time or so, right? But to, to be free from all attachment to sin is not to say that one is never going to sin again. It's rather to, to resolve never to sin again and not to be attached to our sins, not to cling to our sin, not to say, I still want to do this thing. We might have a proclivity to it, you know, if, you know just as if you drink coffee every day, right? If you don't have coffee, you might want some coffee. You're still going to be drawn to it. But if, if you are resolved not to drink your coffee, uh, whether for penance or for health or just because you don't want to have coffee, um, you know, that that is, that's a, 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 you know, that you are not attached, even though you might be desirous of it, in a sense, that you, that you do not, that you do not want to do that thing, and you have no intention of doing it, right? Um, And so, that's really kind of the the emphasis there on attachment to sin, is that, that given, uh, given our will, we have no, we have no intention of clinging to any sin, even venial sin. So, right. And so sometimes that can be where this can kind of catch you is if is if somebody's somebody's met, uh, somebody's done something where you're upset with them and you're holding on to anger against that person and you're not willing to let go of that anger against that person. That's attachment to sin. Right? You're holding on to it and you're not letting go of it. Plenary is not a possibility. Right? Again, you can rack up partials, maybe. But if, if we're clinging to, to even the smallest of things um, and, and clinging to them and unable and unwilling um, to separate ourselves from them and to, so as to be attached wholly to God, uh, the plenary is not, it's not a possibility for us. So that's often the one that's kind of the, um, the one where people really – you have to do some soul searching uh, to some degree. And, and again, it's God and God alone who's able to discern all these things. And so that's why it's helpful to – you know if you offer – a plenary indulgence gained for a particular person, a family member or a friend, it's not a bad idea to do it again because I don't know how my heart is necessarily. I don't know if I'm always detached um, in a particular time or particular moment. And so this is why it can be a good thing for us to, to continue to pray for and not just say, well, did that once, we're good now, you know, and, and move on. Um, and so it's, uh, again, that, that attachment to sin that we have to make sure is, is, is not present there. Um, <clears throat> to receive Holy Communion on that day or within a few days, uh, so basically as soon as possible. So this is one of the perks of going to, to Mass regularly, uh, not, just, not just on Sundays, but also on weekdays if possible. Um, and so um, <clears throat> that, that for, a, for each plenary indulgence gained, uh, Communion must be received. Right. And so if you have a week worth of plenary indulgences and you go to Mass three times, you get three plenary indulgences because the communion is for each of those indulgences. Right? And so it doesn't, cover, it doesn't cover all of it. The next one does, which is confession. Uh, so if you had to go to confession every time you wanted to gain a plenary indulgence, I think our line would probably be significantly longer here at St. Agnes and hopefully among most other churches because everyone will be coming every single day. And I don't know how I would get anything done at that point. It would be a wonderful blessing, but I would be Im- impressively tied up with, uh, <laughs> with sacramental confessions, right? And so 
is to make sure that one goes to confession within 20 days before or after. So the 20 is uh, 20 days that I neglected to put on there, either before or after. And again, kind of with the intention of, of that applying to the indulgences that are being gained. And so the 20 days, uh, this is why I often encourage people um, to be able to go to confession once a month, uh, is that if you go once a month, no matter what, you're almost always within 20 days before or after um, kind of allowing those indulgences to be gained um, you know, for, for oneself or for the souls in purgatory. So again, just the, these things, the gaining of these indulgences, they incline us towards God because at part of it, you have to go to confession. That's a good thing. <laughs> you have to receive communion in a state of grace. That's a good thing. Right? You have to go to church. That's a good thing. And so the more we do this, the more it will naturally incline us towards God, towards heavenly things, towards grace, and away from sin. So it's kind of an exponential growth that's present there. And again, the, the, the last point is that, that they are gained for self uh, or for the faithful to pardon. So what can you do to gain indulgences? Right. Coming close, close to the end here. And so in this book, in the, in the Manual of Indulgences, there are four, uh, what they call, the grants. Uh, you are granted these things, right? So I appreciate it. It's just a section called the grants. So there are four things that are general things of the Christian life that orient you towards God and by which you can gain an indulgence. So these are not specific actions. These are general things, which many things that you do through the day are this. Right? And you'll hear, you'll hear it if you haven't already understood or, or read it on the sheet. So the first grant, a partial indulgence is granted to the Christian faithful who, while carrying out their duties and enduring the hardships of life, raise their mind in humble trust to God and make at least mentally some pious invocation. If you're driving along doing a normal life and you're driving along the interstate and some pleasant soul cuts you off Lord bless them is a better option than some of the other things we might have to go to confession for right you get an indulgence by that one right you don't have to pile up more temporal punishment due to sin by saying something otherwise Whenever you're going through your day and something happens at home, you know, you have to, you know, something, you know, you knock over a glass of milk and you've got to clean it up. I don't know, I don't know how much of a, of a hardship that is, but it's at least carrying out one's duty, right, to, to clean the home, to keep the house, to keep the house, you know, in, in, a decent, in a decent state. While doing these things, you know, and being able to, to raise one's mind to God, kind of in the, in the stuff of ordinary life, the church tells you, in living your life and you're living your vocation and responding to him in the midst of doing your duties and enduring the hardships of life in whatever fashion they may come to piously raise one mind to God and to make a pious invocation, even if only mentally gains a partial indulgence. Right? And so there's a wonderful little list in the back of this book. And this is, I didn't put all these on there, but there is, there's a list of all kinds of wonderful little pious phrases, which many of you uh, probably know and, and hopefully use with regularity. Um, so there's a pious invocations page. Um, you know, praise be Jesus Christ. 
I believe in you, O Lord. I adore you. I hope in you. I love you. All for Jesus. Blessed be God. Your kingdom come as the Lord wills. Lord, help me. Lord, save me. Lord, comfort me. Lord, spare me. Lord, I am totally yours. Glory to God. All these little phrases that are ways which we are trying to, to bring God into the picture rather than, rather than to, to allow ourselves or, or vice to these kinds of things. So by saying these things and, and mentally saying this, and, and again, it's not just the saying of it, um, but it's, it's actually allowing it to be a prayer, actually crying out to the Lord in these moments that when a difficulty comes and you say, Lord, help me, that's genuine. And that's something that, that Mother Church wants to encourage us to do and wants to, to reward with our riches to the extent that we are willing and able to do it. And so that's the first one, the first general grant. Uh, general grant. <laughs> oh, man, that's good times. Um, <laughs> that's the first, uh, the, the first grant of these general concessions um, that are made uh, is, uh, is the enduring of hardships in one's life. So second one, a partial indulgence is granted to the faithful who, led by the spirit of faith, give compassionately of themselves or of their goods to serve their brothers in need. So, uh, again, the first one inclines us to prayer. The second one inclines us to Christian charity. Each of these are kind of general things Mother Church wants to instill within her children. So this one inclines us to give of ourselves, of our goods, to those who are in need. Uh, and so if you, if you find someone, uh, you know, if, if a neighbor needs some help getting, you know, getting, uh, getting the trees cleared off of their land after the storm, if you generously give of yourself and of your goods to serve them, inspired, again, inspired by the spirit of faith, right, then one is able to, uh, to, to receive an indulgence in the doing of that, in these acts of charity towards others. Uh, and so, again, this could be giving of, of one's time, giving of one's treasures, giving of one's talents, those typical kind of three Three things that are given um, to be able to do these for others. Uh, as our Lord says, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. So kind of in that same spirit of being able to, to, to uh, perform these acts of charity uh, is a tremendous gift that, again, Mother Church wants to increase and instill within her children. The third one, a partial indulgence is granted to the Christian faithful who, in a spirit of penance, Voluntarily abstain from something that is licit for and pleasing to them. Again, some people I know will. Uh, well, Mother Church always calls us on Fridays to make to make penance. So if you don't abstain from meat, which is the standard penance, then you are to do something else to substitute it. That's a law. You don't get extras necessarily for that. But if on a Tuesday when you're not bound to be able to to do uh, to abstain from meat, if you choose to abstain from meat voluntarily. You gain an indulgence, right? You gain, you gain particular merit. If you know that, uh, that you really love ice cream, you know, but on, on Thursdays you're going to offer it up for the priests of the church in reparation for their sins, that you're not going to have a, uh, a bowl of bluebell, uh, you know, then I, I don't know how much the uh, – again, it, maybe it depends on how much one likes ice cream uh, and how, how ingrained that is. Uh, and one's particular rhythm and routine. But if one abstains for something that is voluntary, that is also, you know, it's not licit for them, you know, it's licit for them, it's not bad, um, you know, then, uh, then you know, an indulgence can be gained. Uh, again, also, again, the, the licit piece, right, 
You know, I can't, I can't say, well, I'm, uh, I'm going to abstain from getting drunk tonight for the Lord. <laughs> That's not a thing one can do because it's not listed to get drunk. Right? You should do that anyway. You don't get bonus points for doing the thing you're supposed to do anyway. Right? And so, again, it's listed things, things that are, that are acceptable for you. And done, done with voluntarily again with that spirit of, of penance. Yes, sir. When you do what you said, offer this, oh, I'm not going to use bluebell ice cream. Mm-hmm. Do you have to say in your own, to yourself that I'm doing this for the indulgence, or you just say I'm doing it as penance and you get the indulgence? Hope you understand that. Yeah, so you don't necessarily have to say I'm doing this for, for the indulgence gained by doing such and such, but uh, again, it's knowing that and intending. So usually it's kind of having that, that, that undergirding of intention in all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you say it in your morning offering, then you're good. Correct. Correct, yeah. You know, so it, it can be, you know, I'm offering, you know, that, that, that having the, the resolution in the morning, I'm not going to eat meat today, or I'm not going to watch TV today, or I'm not going to do X, Y, or Z today. For love of the Lord, I'm gonna, you know, fast from this meal. These kinds of things, that done, kind of uh, again in that spirit of penance. And if you know about it, which you know about it now, you're welcome. <laughs> um, you know that that the, the the indulgence could be gained in the doing of it. Yes. Well, I mean, there's merit in following God's law, right. just by virtue of the doing of it. Correct. You don't. You don't get. You don't get bonus points over and above. Um, again, <laughs> oh, because of the the following of the law, there's merit in following the law, but you don't necessarily. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. You don't get extra credit, uh, so to speak, because you did the thing. So. All right, so that's the, the third one. It inclines us to penance, right? So we, one, one calls us to, uh, the first one calls us to, uh, to a life of prayer, to continuous prayer, to pray without ceasing, as St. Paul tells us. The second one inclines us towards Christian charity, love our brothers uh, as, as, uh, as Christ. The third one inclines uh, to the spirit of penance. And the fourth one inclines us uh, to this. A partial indulgence is granted to the Christian faithful who... In the particular circumstances of daily life, voluntarily give explicit witness to their faith before others. So it calls us simply to live our faith. Uh, and so uh, part of that could be, you know, allowing, um, you know, allowing yourself to exercise the courage to make the sign of the cross before meals in public. Um, it's a small thing, but it's, it's a witness to the faith of the people around you. And it's also fascinating how many times other people go, oh, yeah. You know, and, and they follow along because you made you did the witness, right? You witnessed to it, and everyone else was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah," you know? and off they go, um, right? And so, so you know, it can be, it can be, it can be, you know, offering prayer, uh, you know, before meals as a, as an example, or it could be witnessing to your faith. You know, the the small talk at the the small talk at the at the cash register when you're checking out. If you got groceries, and you know, you can. The Lord's been good to me today and share something. It's a, a small thing, you know, but it can be a way of, of bringing faith into the conversation 
um, with a particular person or, you know, and, you know, if someone, if someone's saying, you know, if you say, oh, you know, how are you? Great. How are you doing? Been kind of a rough day. Oh, I'll pray for you, you know, to be able to, you know, to, to look at their name badge and their, <laughs> you know, asking their name or, or this kind of thing and, and to say, I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you today. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to, you know, ask God to bless you today. So these, these little things, again, allowing faith to come into the living of daily life or manifesting that, or sometimes it's, sometimes it's issues of, you know, church teaching. Uh, somebody may, um, I was with, uh, with some folks last night, and they were talking about the, uh, that someone, someone experienced um, kind of a renewal and uh, kind of a renewal of faith because they were looking for what kind of contraception other people in the office used. And a person says, I don't, I use NFP. And it began a conversation after which something dramatic happened. And so it was one person said, no, my, my, faith, my faith tells me this, and this is how I live that, and this is what we do. And someone else benefited from that conversation, right? And it's these, these little things where simply witnessing to the faith um, has dramatic effects. And so God wants to use that. He wants to encourage that. So again, one of those four, uh, four general concessions, uh, one of the four grants uh, that are present there. In addition to that, there are other there are other things, and we'll kind of fire through these uh, real quick just for the uh, for the saying of them. So again, have those those four general concessions that are present there. Indulgence is available for certain days. So you all uh, likely have heard me talking about indulgences. I talk about them rather frequently, uh, hence this talk. Um, as uh, again, seeing them. But on these certain days, on the solemnity of the most sacred heart, there's a particular prayer, the most sweet Jesus prayer, um, that can gain a plenary indulgence on the feast of the sacred heart if you pray that piously and publicly. Uh, it's partial for other days. The solemnity of St. Peter and Paul, praying with using a blessed item that's been blessed by the Pope or by another bishop. Right? So if you have a, a rosary that was given to you that was blessed by the Pope, if you use it on the solemnity of Saints Peter and Paul, that's a plenary indulgence. If you use the one blessed by Father Brent, it's a, not a plenary indulgence. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> For all of you who come to bring things blessed by me, I wish I had you know, the authority to bless it with a greater power. No, I don't. I don't want to be a bishop. That would be madness. Um, I wish I could have the authority only for the blessing of objects. That would be nice. So, for All Saints Day, the usual octave of all saints. You know, so in those eight days, typically a plenary indulgence gained for the faithful departed. All Souls Day, the same, being able to go visit, to visit a church, to pray for the faithful departed uh, on all souls, on the solemnity of Christ the King, uh, the Most Sweet Jesus. It's a separate prayer, uh, but a, a different prayer um, that can be prayed on that day, uh, again, for a plenary indulgence or partial on other days. On the last day of the year, reciting the Te Deum, which is a hymn of praise. Uh, so we're all, we all know the Gloria, right? And glory to God in the highest in Mass, the Gloria in Excelsis Deo. So that's, that's the, the hymn of praise at the Mass. But in the, in the breviary, in the prayers of, of the church that, that the priests are bound to pray, and that many others do of, of their own free choosing, that there is the, the alternate prayer is the Te Deum, which is to you, O God. And it's another hymn of praise uh, that's, that's different and distinct from the Gloria. Uh, but it's offering that on the last day of the year, thanking God for all the gifts he has given, right? So the Te Deum is something you sing when you're thanking God. So it's not uncommon that you'll have a, 
a pious, a pious young priest, he'll climb up on a mountain and he'll see something really beautiful and he'll just sing the Te Deum on the spot because you're like, this is gorgeous. God made this in a beautiful place, right? I felt really bad because my friends did that uh, and I didn't know it by heart. So I was just like, I don't know this, but I, I want to glorify God with my voice. I just don't know it. You know, I felt kind of bad. I still don't know it. Um, but I still don't know it by chant because I, I don't chant it. I, you know, I recite it in my office. So, um, there you go. So, but that one didn't get you an indulgence on, Jan- on, on December 31st. It's still a good one, though. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the Tadeum, the, the hymn on, on December 31st, thanking God for all he's given or on January 1st, uh, as well as on Pentecost, singing the Veni Creator, right? the, the, the prayer for invoking the Holy Spirit. So you can get double up if you know about these things. December 31st, uh, praying the Te Deum. Blessings for all of last year. Uh, just on January 1st, Veni Creator, blessings for all the new year, asking the Holy Spirit to come and to be with you. So those are days that are particular days wherein one can, uh, can receive indulgence. And then on the back, daily prayers and pious actions. So, oh, yes. Uh, those back-to-back days. Mm-hmm. Like that one confession? Correct. Well, yeah, one confession, yeah. One confession within 20 days, even if it's different calendar years. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Divine Mercy Sunday. I, I, I neglected to add that. It's in the appendix in the manual, I think. So that's why I didn't include it here. But yeah, Divine Mercy Sunday, plenary indulgence on that day as well. So others just going down. I'll let you look at it, whether it's partial or plenary. Uh, but and again, this is not an exhaustive list. Uh, the, a lot of times the, the prayer says you can do this or this or this or this. And the, the this or this or this oftentimes are not ones that are super common. But I at least want to put the, the most popular uh, things that are on here uh, as indulgence, actions, and prayers. Uh, time before the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, singing, singing or saying the tantum ergo or adoro te devote or, or the osacrum convivium. Uh, going to someone's first communion. So if you're going, if you have a little one or uh, you're going to someone's first communion, you can gain plenaries on that day if you know about these things. Praying the Anima Christi after communion, uh, dying. That's, that's kind of a, a one-time only deal. Plenary indulgence at the hour of death. But it's on here just for the sake of it. Um, making a good examination of conscience before confession. Making good, a good act of contrition outside of confession even. Uh, making the way of the cross. Adoration of the cross on Good Friday. Using an article blessed by a priest or a deacon, spending time in mental prayer, listening to preaching at a parish mission, being present for the preaching of the word of God. A homily understood can actually get you indulgence. I can't attest always other than myself to the quality of said homily, but if you listen to it, it can gain you an indulgence. Uh, Continuing on, uh, being present for the preaching of the word of God, as you just said, recitation of the Holy Rosary alone or with others, um, uh, reciting the Magnificat, the Angelus, various Marian prayers, such as the Memorare, which we began with today, praying the Angel of God prayer, prayers, approved prayers, honoring St. Joseph. And again, most of these are approved prayers, so it has to be kind of approved by the church. Um, 
So brew prayers of St. Joseph, uh, the saint of the day, certain litanies, novenas, the little office of the Blessed Virgin Mary, um, approved prayers, uh, an approved prayer for the benefactors, for the Holy Father, uh, uh, morning and evening offering, prayers at the beginning of the, eight, at the end of the day, right? morning offerings, evening offerings, um, prayers before and after meals, uh, prayers, uh, prayers before starting and completing work. So approved prayers for that, assisting at the first mass of a new priest, assisting at the jubilee mass of an older priest, uh, renewing baptismal promises on the anniversary of your own baptism, also doing the same at the Easter vigil, visiting a cemetery to pray for the dead, reading the Bible for half an hour, uh, visiting one of the four major basilicas, uh, visiting a parish church on its feast day. So if, if you know, um, if you know that the, the Feast of St. Agnes is, uh, is coming up in a couple months. Then you can mark it on your calendar. Make sure to go to church that day. It'll also be good to go to our patron church, right? But if you know it's the, it's the Feast of whatever, and you can hop into that church that day, uh, there's something extra to that because you've done something. You've gone outside of your normal activity to be able to get there. So there's a, a larger indulgence that's attached to that. So on the Feast of the Sacred Heart, you can go to Sacred Heart Church and pray for a few moments. Uh, you can go to, to Christ the King on the Feast of Christ the King next weekend. You can go to, uh, again, all these places on the Feast of that, the patron of that particular church. Uh, plenary for visiting a church on the anniversary of its consecration, which we usually uh, do a poor job of announcing when that is, but that sometimes can happen. Sometimes you'll know. Uh, and a partial for teaching or studying Christian doctrine. So it would seem according to this that you coming to this talk today and and attentively listening to uh, a conversation, uh, not a conversation, basically a monologue, um, <laughs> on Christian doctrine to impart to you the goodness of the faith. Uh, this also uh, could be the gaining of an indulgence, right? And so um, for partials, it's the, the thing itself um, that, is, that is the main thing. Um, also, I forgot to mention the, the, the last one, the, the uh, plenary indulgence requirement. Uh, the last one is to pray for the Pope's intentions, usually in Our Father and the Hail Mary, right? And so we don't have to do all of those indulgence, all of those things. Um, we don't have to, to have uh, complete detachment from sin, Holy Communion, Confession, and the Pope's intentions to gain partial indulgence. Uh, so that's only for the, for, the, for the plenary. Those are the requirements for gaining a plenary indulgence. For the partial, you just have to be in the state of grace, right, as the... Baptized, not excommunicate, state of grace. Partials can go from there. So, we're getting, uh, I think we're right here at the, at the tail end of things. But do we have any, any further questions of something we haven't covered yet? Oh, yeah, the apostolic blessing? So some priests don't know about that. Yeah, it's the apostolic pardon, not the apostolic blessing. Sorry. There's lots of things we call apostolic. So apostolic pardon is that a priest at the hour of at the hour of death, a priest has the authority not only to absolve sins, but to 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 say, um, by 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 my presence here, I offer you the gift of complete remi- complete 
remission of punishment due to sin uh, and, and open the gates of heaven to you. Uh, so, yeah, they don't have to be awake even. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are with someone in the hospital and the priest is there, tell him, make sure you do the apostolic pardon. Right. Yeah. The apostolic pardon. Apostolic pardon. Yeah, it's a plenary. It's because it's everything's gone. The gates are open. Yeah. So that's the that's the plenary indulgence, and that's again, even if it's given earlier in the day, and the person lingers for a while, they can gain another one at the hour of death if they're if they're awake and, and conscious of it. And so that can be that can be part of it. So yeah, apostolic pardon at the hour of death is is plenary. It presumes the intention. Yeah, yeah. If a person's unconscious. You, you presume, and God knows. Yeah, yeah. Spending at least half hour before the blessed sacrament is that in addition to getting mass? Correct. Yeah, so the question is, is, you know, can, can, can a good Baptist person gain an indulgence? Um, I'm not sure the answer is yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so it, it, would be, it would be a matter of excommunication. Certainly a formal excommunication clearly puts you out um i would i would be inclined to think that they would not be not be receiving the indulgences um simply because it's it's because they are not members of the of the communion of the church they're ordered to it um but they are not members in full partaking of the communion of the church and that's why i mean that's a similar reason why they wouldn't receive communion or shouldn't receive communion is because they because the communion that is the the foundation of that is not present there yet. And then when they brought Protestants into the church, they used to have this where you stand in front of the church and you recant all your heresies. Yeah. I think they should have eliminated that. Well, that's a different discussion. Yeah. So with this with this manual, they they did away with dates. They did away with you know days of indulgence, um, and they did away with uh, again essentially because you can see the clear difference between the two books. One is much smaller. The newer one is much smaller, and and it's and, and again this one, it's it the new manual kind of intentionally tried to focus one not just on the prayers and exercises themselves um, but more focused upon the general attitudes of life of 
of, of embodying Christian, Christian prayer, of service to others, of a life of, a life of penance, and a life of, of sharing the faith. And so that's why those general concessions were there, was to promote the general living of the Christian life, particularly um, in its particular circumstances, but then also that, that the, the various prayers, um, they're not, it's, not that they're mer- it's not that they're not meritorious, it's not that they can't you know, be a, a source of grace, they're just not all enunciated in the same manner. Uh, and so again, um, you know, a, a particular bishop, Bishop Duke, could, could, could pick up any of the prayers or any of the prayers in your book or make up his own prayer for that matter and say, in praying this prayer, a partial indulgence can be da- gained by the faithful. And he has that, you know, he has that authority. So, yeah. I mean, again, they're all still good and worth praying. It's just the, uh, the dates of things and, and the numeration of days of indulgence have been kind of purged for the most part to square down to the most really kind of and that was and they talk about it in here really to the most important and essential things um, of, of kind of these various aspects of devotion so I'm going to ask you about the way of the cross well it has to be properly erected stations of the cross uh, which include uh, the cross being wood um, so that's one of the things is, is for stations of the cross to be properly erected, there, there is to be uh, a cross at the station made of wood. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so other people, you know, if, if you just have kind of just a picture without the cross, or if the cross is a stone, uh, doesn't meet the criteria, right? And, and obviously there, there are merits that are there, there are graces that are there, but the, for the gaining of it, which... Which I think is plenary, if I remember, um, that that it's doing it in a in a, a properly erected, so with the wood crosses, and properly consecrated, you know, location. So it's not you know, it's not just kind of setting it up at one's house and, and doing that piously there if it hadn't been consecrated, you know, meeting those conditions. Uh, but then also that yeah, it would it would need to be, um, and I, I can look in here. It gets. There's a couple more things. I don't know. It doesn't enunciate specific. Like it doesn't say you have to use St. Francis de Sales, uh, you know, prayers of the other thing. But it is. It is at least to be able to make um, to make piously the way of the cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would, I would think that's adequate. Um, yeah. So number thirteen, section two, uh, a plenary indulgence is granted to the faithful who personally make the pious way of the cross or devoutly unite themselves to the way of the cross while it is being led by the supreme pontiff and broadcast live on television or radio. So if you watch, like the Holy Father is doing. The way of the cross in Rome, and you can listen to it or, or watch it. Uh, you can do that. So, uh, regarding the acquisition of the plenary indulgence, the following is prescribed: the pious exercise must be made before stations of the cross uh, legitimately erected. So, again, um, properly in the church, 
to erect the way of the cross, 14 crosses are needed, to which it is customary to attach a picture or image representing the 14 stations of Jerusalem. Um, the pious exercise consisting of 14 devotional readings to which some vocal prayers are added. Uh, and so, again, usually, uh, I think kind of what, they're, what they would point to there would be actually calling to mind the station and then praying prayers. And most, most way of the cross do that you know even if it's just a you know a short a short acclamation of of adoring the cross and then an our father hail mary glory be or if it's one of the longer ones of you know a meditation of you know, you know when you were in jerusalem da, 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 you know, this kind of thing uh, so to do that and to actually walk it indicates that too that if, if you can walk you have to <laughs> you have to walk it or you have to you know to travel traverse from one spot to the next so Yeah, they're right above, if I remember right. So. All right. Anything further? Very good. Well, go forth and reap the fruits of the of the merits of Christ and of the saints, and uh, and we'll send you off. We'll send you off with a little blessing. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Have a good day. Thanks, Father.